0: Welcome to the Bare Marriage Podcast. I'm Sheila Ray Gregoire from To Love Honor and Vacuum.com, where we like to talk about healthy, evidence based biblical advice for your marriage and sex life. And it is the last Thursday of the month. So this is more of a men's focus on our Start Your Engines podcast. I have my husband Keith here with me. Hey, everybody. And we're going to get into some kind of deep theological stuff today. Oh, yeah. But before we do that, a couple of quick things. First of all, last week we had a really interesting podcast. It had some very funny moments and some very infuriating moments. (laughs) Connor was dissecting um, one of Emerson Egrich's podcasts for us that he did a few years ago, where he was reading a letter from a woman who wrote in saying that she was crying in the shower before sex every single time, and she would initiate every three days. And it was basically a coercive, what she was explaining, uh, describing was a coercive um, sexual encounter, because if she didn't have sex, he would treat her badly. But instead of picking up on that, Eggrich said that uh, nothing was wasted. And as long as she wasn't being crucified or tortured, God was very happy with her obedience and praised her for being a goldmine of a wife. And we found this rather disturbing. There were some humorous elements regarding things that Emerson Eggers didn't understand about arousal, and Rebecca and I will be talking about some of that next week. But we did want to just give, before we get to the meat of today's podcast, I just want to give a quick update because I've had a number of people ask. We actually heard from that woman. <laughs> so she she wrote me, um, the woman who wrote the original email, who was crying in the shower. She's doing really well today. She did get out of that marriage. She was being very abused. Um, Eggers didn't pick up on that, but she was. There was major sexual sin on his part. He had a very entitled mindset. Um, And she's free now, and she's doing well, and she's actually going to come on the podcast either next week or the week (laughs) after. So you can hear her story. So I just wanted to give that quick update because people were concerned Mm -hmm. for her welfare. So I thought you might want to hear that.
1: Which I think speaks volumes, right? And that's kind of what we are talking about in my post that I wrote, Mm -hmm. which is that, you know, we're in the boiling water.
0: Yeah, so yesterday, Keith wrote... What I called his manifesto <laughs> on the blog. And if you haven't read it yet, I strongly recommend you go read it. Mm. I will put a link in the podcast notes to Keith's manifesto. Why we need to jump out of the boiling water. You wrote this over the course of a week mm-hmm. and you've been talking about it constantly, which is not a bad thing. I'm I'm, I'm happy about that. <laughs> but it's just this. This is really a passion project for you. Like This has oh, really yeah. been you sharing what you're honestly thinking. And so I thought we could just talk about that today. Yeah. A little bit about what you wrote.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, the thing I was talking about was the analogy is the the boiling frog analogy. I don't know if you've ever heard of that. And I want to start by saying this is not scientifically true. (laughs) Uh, And it's particularly, it's cruel. So I I don't like the analogy. But when I was a teenager, I went to a youth summer camp, and the pastor Mm -hmm. gave this boiling frog analogy to, you know, teach us. Mm -hmm. And the boiling frog analogy is this. If you drop a frog into a pot of boiling water, it will, of course, jump out. Mm -hmm. But if you put it in a pot of, warm water and you heat it up slowly enough, you Mm -hmm. can cook the frog alive, he won't even notice the change, right?
0: Right. That was the mentality. This is not meant to be a science experiment. No, it's It's it's, first of all, it's not true. And it's cruel. (laughs) Yes.
1: You know, as a teenager, that really stuck with me because it's like, yeah, I want to stay close to God. I don't want culture or things around me to slowly heat up and and Mm
0: -hmm. take me
1: away from God, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, And that's the mentality. But the second thing that I talk about in the post was how you know, the whole concept of what does it mean to be a biblical husband? Mm -hmm. What does it mean to be a biblical man, a biblical woman? Because we have a lot of opinions about that, and I disagree with most of those opinions, because I've never believed that God instituted a hierarchical, uh, you know, position of men over women, either in the church or Mm -hmm. in marriage. To me, when I read Genesis, it's very clear that God ordained male and female to rule over creation together under God, and that the man ruling over the woman is a... product of the fall. Mm -hmm. It is not God's intention. Right. And moreover, we see in the New Testament that Paul talks about how Jesus has lifted the curse from us. Mm-hmm. And he talks about in Genesis how there is no male or female, you know, slave or free, Jew or Greek. In Galatians,
0: right? he says, says in Galatians. Say? Genesis, that's okay oh, though. Sorry. But he does say it in Genesis, sort of in, before yeah, the fall. as Yeah, yeah, sorry, I apologize. Well. Yes.
1: But what I, yeah, he says it, Paul says it in Galatians. Mm-hmm. And that's what I've always believed. But there was a point in my life where I was swayed to believe in hierarchicalism because I was being told that you were following the heating up of feminist culture mm-hmm. rather than God's true way, that I was being slowly led down a dark path, and I didn't realize it, and I needed to get to, to jump out of the boiling water and mm-hmm. th- embrace God's way. Now, I didn't talk in the post about why I came to not believe that, because that's a whole other post. The point of the post was this. I think the boiling water is in the exact opposite direction in the church these days. Mm-hmm. All you have to do is look at things like what happened with Beth Moore, to realize that the church is treating our women very, very badly. Mm -hmm. And men who are saying that they're supposed to be there for the protection of women are some of the biggest ones who are hurting women time and time again. Mm -hmm. And so to me, I just thought it's time for us to say we need to get out of the boiling water. We need to look at some of these things that are happening in our church. So for example, a really good example is this thing with Emerson Egridge from last week when we talked on the podcast. Here is a woman who writes to a, a... expert in marriage for advice and yeah. she says i am crying in the shower i initiate every 3 days because he expects it and it, and god expects it of me and if i don't do it he's going to be mean to me and she's in emotional turmoil over this to me the first response is to say oh my gosh this poor woman mm-hmm. but the problem is that we have turned up the heat so slowly that it's now a doctrinal issue yeah. Is she being submissive and obedient to God? Oh, yes, she is. Good. So she's not the problem. Okay, well, he's no, he's being a bit selfish. We should probably talk to him. What? Like, we're, we're, how do we miss the, oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. How did a marriage ever get to this point? Mm-hmm. So, And instead, what happens is Egrish doesn't address the fact that she is basically being coerced into sex on a regular basis, that she's in a very, very unhealthy situation. He then goes on to say, just keep on doing what you're doing. You're, you're touching the heart of God by what you're doing.
0: Nothing. God doesn't waste anything. God doesn't waste
1: anything. Eventually, things will come around. Yeah. And what happened was, from this woman's own testimony, which she talked about later, and which Sheila printed in the um, in her blog a few days later, is things didn't get better. They got worse and worse and worse. Because this kind of advice just does not work. And then he ends the podcast. The last thought he wants to say to, to people is... The best way to turn your wife on sexually is to not try to turn her on sexually. Mm -hmm. It's like, you know, any guy with half a brain knows that doing nothing is not going to do something. (laughs) That's what I said in that podcast last week. And it's true. But how do we get to the point where we're giving such bad advice and we don't see how bad it is? And it's because the heat has been turned up so slowly we don't realize it. And the heat is this. We are not treating women the way they deserve in Christian marriages. We as men are not treating women the way they deserve. The Gospel Coalition posted something recently about how a woman needs to respect her husband so that he will have the courage to take the spiritual lead in their household. Mm-hmm. Men can be passive; women need to be more more respectful to them so that they will have the courage to do the things they need to do. This is what the Gospel Coalition is saying, and I talk about it in my post. What are the things they list? Are these risky behaviors that this man is being expected to take on? It's they say things like reading the scriptures. They say things like going to church on Sunday. They say things like, uh, thinking about things from a biblical perspective. Okay, so let me get this straight. This is what's going on in the evangelical church. We have a crisis where men are so passive that they are not doing the basic elements of the Christian faith. What is the answer that the Gospel Coalition has for us? Women need to do a better job at respecting men. How did we get to the point where when men falter, it's women's fault? I mean, forget whether you believe in hierarchy or not. Mm -hmm. If you believe in hierarchy, you should be more offended than me because you should have been way ahead of people saying that is not God's intention for the way that men and women are treated. Mm -hmm. To blame women for men's sin, that's right out of Genesis 3. That's exactly what Adam did, right? Have we learned nothing since
0: then? I go well, on the think, post
1: to talk about the lust message. But yeah, can-
0: but, uh, but I think the other issue about that, that risky behavior thing, so it's risky for a man to read his Bible, to act like a Christian, mm-hmm. and to take his family to church. But those are all things that women... We're already doing. Because yeah. yeah. that's the implication that from from his post. is like, women are doing all these things. And well, come we on, know guys. women are doing those things. And like, so and the, so the, it's not risky for women to do it. It's yeah. only risky for men to do it. And the, the only way to get men... So, so women are just doing these things anyway. We know women are going to do them. What we need is for men to do them. And the only way to get men to do them is for women to encourage men more. Like... It's so infantilizing of men. That's
1: exactly what I was going to say.
0: It is so inf- So women can be expected to do all this stuff. Like we know women are going to pick up the pieces. We know they're going to be there anyway.
1: And it's, so, it's, it's, it's it actually, they're not happy with that. It's a yeah. travesty because men should be leading. Mm-hmm. But there's not a call to men to lead. There's a call to women to submit more. Mm-hmm. Are you freaking kidding me? How did we get to that point?
0: And, and how did we get to the point where nobody looked at that and said, are you seriously saying that yes. a man in the United States... Reading his Bible today is considered risky? Yeah. Like, t- like have you no understanding of what the persecuted church goes through worldwide? Like, I mean, <laughs> this is such a terrible thing to say. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, yeah. but but yeah, that's and, and, part and of... And
1: the issue is this, is that we've slowly turned the temperature up so we didn't realize how bad we were getting. But mm-hmm. basically, we're now at the point, and it seems to me, and you can disagree with me on this, you know, mm-hmm. if you're a listener, you can disagree with me on this, but it's basically like all the problems in the church are with women. Men can do whatever they want, and it's the woman's fault. And that was the second thing I talked about, is the lust message. Mm-hmm. You know, if men do lustful things, or men do things, or men abuse women even, it's like the question is, well, what was she wearing? What was she doing? Did she bring this on herself? Are you kidding me?
0: Yeah, I put I put up a couple of posts on uh, Facebook this weekend where I was talking about that. I said, what would happen? <laughs> like, let's imagine a church situation where if a man came to the pastor or whatever and said, that teenage girl is dressing in such a way that she's a stumbling block to me. What would happen if the if the reaction was, "Okay, this guy is not safe." Mm-hmm. So we're going to warn the youth group girls to stay away from him. We're going to put men alongside him at potlucks to make sure he doesn't harass any woman. Like we're going to we're going to teach him about the proper way of seeing women, rather than going to that teenage girl yeah, yeah. and telling her she's a stumbling block, which is what we've been doing. Yeah, it, you know, like what would happen? And of course, I say this, and then so many of the comments were, "Oh, but so many of the girls dress like they're going to a club, and we so many girls dress with everything hanging out, mm-hmm. and we need to address that." And it's like, well, do we? Like, like I mean, is this really a crisis in your church? Like, it. I've never. I. I've been going to church for 50 years now. But even if it were
1: the case, even if it were true, Mm -hmm. we have to realize that using one sin to excuse another sin,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you can't do that. You can't say, well, because she dressed that way, I had no choice but to do X, Y, Z. You can't do that. We don't do that for any other sin. No. Why does this sin get that to happen? And the reason is we have slowly turned up the heat of misogyny and that there's no other word for it Mm -hmm. in the Christian church than misogyny. We've slowly turned the heat up to the point we don't even realize we're swimming in it. Because when you blame a group of people for a problem that is another group of people's problem, like, Mm -hmm. how do we get to that point?
0: Now, again, I do want to put a caveat in here. One of the big things we're arguing in The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex is that we're seeing lust completely wrong. And one of the reasons that so many men think these girls are stumbling blocks is that we're confusing noticing with lusting. And I think that is such a freeing message for so many guys. Because I think a lot of guys have have just had so much shame put on them. From the time they were like 12 and 13, that... Well, that if you are attracted to a woman, if you notice her figure, if you have any kind of sexual reaction to her, whatever, you are automatically sinning. And so you just feel helpless. Yeah. You and feel helpless around anyone is beautiful. And that's a terrible position to be in as a guy. And so we've, we, we've done a lot of bad teaching to guys as well. And and again, I really hope that people find The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex really freeing yeah. on that. So so I, there is there is that side of it as well. But. And,
1: and I wrote a post about that, mm-hmm. I mean, about like, do we as the, in the Christian... Christian church think of sex as just bad. yeah. And I think there's a lot of that. And so therefore when, you know, a person has a feeling which, you know, has anything to do with sex at all, like even that the person is attractive, they're like, oh my gosh, I've already sinned. You know, and, yeah. and that's not what, you, know, you can be a healthy man and have a healthy male sexuality and not be a predator. Yes. That's what we're talking about. We're talking yes. about the difference between being a normal, healthy male and seeing a woman as an object for consumption. And those are different things. Mm-hmm. But the problem is in the Christian church, you know, our view of what Being a man is, means you objectify women. I mean, books like Every Man's Battle, which say bounce your eyes. It's like Mm -hmm. you can either look at her as an object or you can not look at her. I have another solution. Why don't you look at her as a person? Why don't we have that kind of a conversation going on? It's absent from the Christian Church, from what I can see. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, hopefully, if, if there are authors and, and, out there. And
0: when we're saying Christian, I, I, I sorry, I do evangelical wanna, church, evangelical, yeah.
1: purity culture. This is what we're talking about. Yeah, but
0: right? but but the 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 kind of the very conservative fundamentalist the the evangelical church that has the social media out there, because there's a huge. Christian church. There's huge Christian churches yeah, yeah, yeah. that don't yeah, do this. Right. It's, just, it's just, you know, the, the Council for Manhood and Biblical Womanhood, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Gospel Coalition, yeah. um, like all of these really big organizations that all feed each other.
1: But, but not only that, they feed each other and they have a very particular doctrinal stance on this. Mm-hmm. And they say that is the only biblical stance. Mm-hmm. So if you do not believe this, you are not biblical. That's right. what they teach. And the problem is that people who don't believe that stance, you know, I don't think that that means I'm not biblical. And in fact, I see a lot of things about the way that you teach that result in very non-biblical outcomes. Mm -hmm. Women being treated badly is a direct result of that kind of teaching. And they don't see a disconnect. I don't see the apologies. All I see is patriarchy helps women. These are just exceptions. But there's no... Like there's more exceptions than rules these days, and the water has turned up. It's gotten so hot, and they're still not jumping out because it's just happened so slowly. So I'm one mm-hmm. of the. I'm, I'm just hoping with this post that I'll give people a little bit of a wake up call, and maybe they'll jump out of the boiling water and say, "Yeah, you know what? I've been contributing to misogyny. I didn't realize it. I was an entitled man. I didn't realize it. I was expecting sex from my wife because it was my God given due. I need to stop this. I need to start mm-hmm. teaching different things. I need to start." Teaching healthy things.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, I, you know, and and I think the whole thing started. It's interesting. Last year, right around this time, I had a really viral Twitter post. The most viral Twitter post I've ever had was just right after the Ravi Zacharias thing broke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where I said, you know, everybody is is blaming or is saying how awful this is, and maybe it was all because of celebrity culture. Like he just got too famous, and when you get too famous, you feel entitled, and then you do this. And my point was. What Ravi did, and the, the the things that he used to defend himself or to justify himself, that's exactly what the evangelical church has been saying about sex the whole time. And I and I quote after quote after quote from from the bestsellers that we looked at in the Great Sex Rescue. I mean, that was a big wake up call for a lot of people. Well,
1: yeah. Hmm. yeah, and the other thing that you did recently was about the uh, that shooting that happened as well too. That he was being—he would kill these women to avoid temptation. Yeah, in
0: Atlanta, the Atlanta shooting—that was shortly. When was that? Last spring, I believe, um, where he actually said, "Yeah, that that these women were temptations to him, and so he had to eliminate them. He had to eliminate the temptations, mm-hmm. which meant he had to eliminate." these women Mm -hmm. and it's the same language that is on the every man's battle website where it talks about how to bounce your eyes first you have to identify your enemies and Mm. among the enemies that it lists it says female joggers yeah so female joggers who are just out there they're not out there trying to entice you they're out there trying to stay in shape Mm-hmm. Like, they're not out there saying, hey, I want to have sex with you. Like, yeah. they're out there trying to stay in shape, yeah. and you're considering them your enemy. That's, that's...
1: Yeah, what the enemy is, is your distorted view of sexuality. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can't see a woman as a human being. You can only see her as an object of sexual attraction. Yeah. And that's terrible. Like, you have to think, think of beyond that. There was a number of people that came out with that Atlanta shooting, uh, besides you, talking about how this is, this is indicative of the mindset that has arisen in the Christian church, in the evangelical church. Right. Mm-hmm. And then people are saying, oh, you know, you can't say that they read every man's battle and they want to kill people. And it's not. But and they're saying, like, you know, you're making too much of a case and stuff. But you know what? There is a truth to the fact that the way that you talk about things shapes the way that people think about things. And if we consistently talk about women as objects, as things rather than as people, then we're going to create a culture that, you know, mm-hmm. thinks of women that way. When the Ravi Zacharias thing was breaking, one of the things that I found disgusting is I heard that the women who were being abused by Ravi, not only were they told to not say anything because it would hinder the gospel, which broke my heart that a woman would be sexually abused and then have her abuser tell her she needs to stay silent for the sake of Jesus. Just The second thing was that he described these women as his rewards for his life of service to God. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's the key point. How can a man have a conscience so seared that he sees sexual abuse as a reward from God? Well, that's the key. He doesn't even see these women as human beings. He saw them as rewards. They were Mm -hmm. objects. They were there for his consumption. And that mentality needs to go. When, Zach- when the Ravi Zacharias scandal was breaking, I remember Owen Strawn tweeted about this. And he, Owen- used to be, he used to be one of the presidents. He was a president of the Council for Biblical Manhood and Womanhood at one mm-hmm. point. And he's very big on the male hierarchy mm-hmm. kind of radar screen. And he tweeted a tweet that said, when a non-believer sees a scandal like this erupt, they say, I hate people like that. Mm-hmm. When a Christian sees a scandal like this, he says, that could easily be me. God be merciful to me. And he put easily in big block letters. And at the time, people were, you know, making fun of Owen for saying that because it's clearly not true, right? Mm -hmm. They were saying, oh, yeah, Owen, like one day I could wake up and, oops, I seem to have created a human trafficking ring to indulge my sexual deviance. Mm -hmm. And they were kind of making fun of the fact that he was making, that he was sin leveling, right? But the first thought I had when I read that was that I actually believed Owen Strong. Because when you teach that women are less than men, when you teach that women are created to help and benefit men, then you are turning on the stove. To get to a monster like Ravi Zacharias just requires slowly turning up the heat. You may disagree with me about there being no hierarchy in the relationship between men and women. That's fine. We can agree to disagree. We can have nice civil, civil debates about that and that sort of stuff. But we all need to agree that hatred toward women, blaming women for men's sins, seeing a crisis where men are not stepping up to the plate and doing what they're supposed to do and saying that the fault is that women are not being respectful enough, siding and sympathizing and identifying with a serial abuser rather than his parishioners whom he was abusing, that's got to stop. Men, we can do better than this. We are better than this. We have to jump out of the boiling water. We have to be different going forward. We can't stay like this. And I think the good news is that, you know, that's happening. Yeah. A healthier view is coming. I mean, we're trying to do our best. Other people, we're not, we're not the only voice here. Yeah. Other people are saying things, too, that are helpful. But we've yeah. got to just realize we can't, we can't, we have to see what's in front of our eyes and, and not keep putting the blinders on
0: yeah and you know one of the things that um people often critique me for is you're always criticizing everybody why can't you find someone to say they're good Mm -hmm. like why why whenever i ask you about an evangelical bestseller you say oh yeah that's not that's not very good and (laughs) i ask the same question Mm -hmm. like this keeps me up at night actually i say that as well like but i say it with slightly different intonation i say like (laughs) Why? <laughs> How did we get to the point yeah. where all of our best sellers? are are so bad. And I shouldn't say all, like Gift of Sex by the Penners was really good on our rubric. Um, Boundaries and Marriage by the Town, yep. like Cloud and, and Towns And there are really, really
1: good. good authors out there. Like, I mean, I love the stuff that Andrew Bauman's Yeah, Andrew saying. Bauman's, Michael, John, Michael Cusick. John Cusick's book, Surfing for God, was amazing. Yeah, Jay
0: Stringer. There's, there's some really Patrick good...
1: Patrick Weaver is saying some yeah, awesome Yeah, there's some stuff.
0: really good authors out there, but they're not as well known. They're not our best sellers. Mm-hmm. And I'm hoping and praying that will change. But, but I think the issue is that the reason that all of these bestsellers have some of the same problems is that they all have the same assumptions. Mm-hmm. They all grow mm-hmm. from the same root. Mm-hmm. And so they're growing from this same root. And even if they might say things slightly differently, if they all have that same root, they're, they're all going to have this, this- Same fruit. Same fruit. Yeah, well, it rhymes. Mm-hmm. That, let's say that again. If they have the same, <laughs> same root, root, they'll have the same fruit. <laughs> there you go. And that's the difference with some of the books that are healthy is they don't have the same yeah. root. Like boundaries in marriage, the root of that is that God wants us to stand up for what is right. Mm-hmm. Like it's not about instituted hierarchy. And when most of our books take is the underlying assumption that yeah. men have to be over women, then the main thing that we're pushing for is how do we get women to put up with it? Mm-hmm. And how do we, how do we make women stay <laughs> yeah. no matter how they're, t- they're treated? Um, and how do we make sure that men's needs take preeminence? And that's where you get someone like Emerson Egrich writing an entire chapter on sex and never mentioning that women are supposed to feel good too. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's, it's, it it's all not comes, even in the mindset. It's, it's not even it's in the mindset because it all comes from the same root. So it's not that I don't want to like some books.
2: Mm-hmm. Gosh, I would
0: love to like some books. And, and yeah. my prayer is that the publishing world will change. And I do think that's happening. Yeah. And
1: I'm really hopeful that there'll be less, less need for your aggressive style of confronting <sighs> these things in yes. the future, because enough people will just say, no, I'm yeah. jumping out of this boiling water. Yeah, this is crazy. I don't believe this anymore. You know, yeah. whether or not you agree with me on everything, you can say, no, this is not the way we should be. And we'll, we, we need to yeah. be different in the future. So like one of the things that happened is you, you posted this week and someone said, Sheila, you say such great things. You know, why do you need to attack other people? Like, why can you not just say the nice things and, and leave the other stuff unsaid? And this is in response to what you were saying about Emerson Egrich and his thing about the woman crying.
2: Mm-hmm. She was
1: crying before going to initiate sex with her husband. And what I said to this fellow on Facebook was this you know we have a culture in the in the christian church which has gotten to the point where a woman in abject despair crying in the shower before going and dutifully submitting to her husband doesn't shock us anymore if if her husband can see that and not care and then and then egrich can hear that story and not care our response is not to hear that story and not care Our response is to care. And if you are the kind of, if you say, don't say anything about people who are neglecting that person, don't say anything about these bad things, you know, it reminds me of the people who walked by the person who fell among the thieves. It was the Samaritan that said, no, this person needs help. You know, women in the evangelical church need help. We need to help them. To say, oh, well, just say the nice things. No, we need to stop the bad things being said to them too, especially men. And and this is a men's podcast. Guys, we need to be being the voice that says to women, you are worthy. God loves you. You are his daughter. Like these messages that say, you're not important, he is. These messages that say, you got raped because of the way you dressed. These messages that say things like that, like... How can we call ourselves Christian men and not confront that? We need to be, you know, if, if all of us were to say, this is, this is crazy, we don't, we don't believe this way, she wouldn't have to be tearing these people down, because they never would have got a platform in the first place.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's what makes me so upset, is how did we get to the place where these are our best sellers? Mm-hmm. How did we get to the place where this is considered the gold standard in marriage advice? Mm-hmm. Um we've got to do better than this. We yes. just do, we have to do better yes. than this. This is hurting real people, and it's causing so many people to leave the church. Mm-hmm. Like if we if we want people to see Jesus, we can't keep pushing people out of the church. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're doing when we don't consider women's humanity and it's tragic and i i hope people will listen.
1: Mm-hmm. And i think they will and i think that the tide is turning. I think people are starting to speak up and i think that people are, you know, saying that things need to be different. And a lot of people are saying new and healthier things and, and i'm really pleased to see it and i'm really glad. Mm-hmm. I i have hope. I, I you know, we sound so, you know, frustrated and angry sometimes, but mm-hmm. but i have hope. I, I think this is something that it's unfortunate it's taking as long as it's taking, but it's going the right direction. And, and I think it's it's going to get where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And basically, the thing is, if you want to look like Jesus, you know, you can't be like this. You can't not care about a woman crying in the shower. If you want to be like Jesus, you just can't, you know, mm-hmm. men and women alike.
0: Yeah, because she matters. So new research. Actually, this isn't that new. This, this is a couple not of that years new. old. This is a couple yeah. of years old, but interesting research. I think we've actually talked about this in a podcast a couple of months ago, but I'll just bring it up again because it fits here, is that women tend to get remarried less often than men do yeah so mm-hmm. after a divorce men are more likely to get remarried mm-hmm. and they're saying this is really interesting because divorce tends to be harder on women than it is on men financially most, et cetera. and yet women are more likely to stay single yeah. and i think the reason is kind of what we were just talking about mm-hmm. which is when life is really awful for women When marriage has been really awful for women, because women initiate, what is it, like 70% of divorces, Mm -hmm. probably because women have been more hurt Mm -hmm. in marriage. Mm -hmm. Um, And then women are like, no, you know what? I think it's easier just to live on my own. Yeah,
1: because it was just that women didn't want to be with men, Mm -hmm. right? They would would institute it the same amount in Mm -hmm. common law relationships. Uh Uh So there's got to be something about marriage Mm -hmm. that's different than a common law relationship
0: women just have so much more economic freedom right now and choices Mm -hmm. that we don't have to put up with things that we don't want to put up with. And I think a lot of women are getting divorced and going, you know what? It's easier on my own.
2: Yeah. Like if if you're at a position where being on your own with two kids with like a far lower income than you had before you were married is making your life easier. We need to have a serious conversation about what marriage even looks like for a lot of women. Because to me, it, it like... In the past, you know, there was still all the sexism in terms of mental load, in terms of, you know, who does what, in terms of women's bodily autonomy, in terms of all these things that we're still seeing today, like woman being told you're not allowed to say no to your husband, you know, all these, all these kinds of things. But at least there was something she was getting out of it. You mm-hmm. know, at least she had like, you economic know, security. economic security, she had like the end of a, a there was... A level of safety in that and it Mm -hmm. was not good that's Mm -hmm. not what i'm saying but what i'm saying is at least she was getting something out of a marriage Mm -hmm. whereas now when she could have a job on her own Mm -hmm. like is it worth (laughs) is it worth it you know is it worth it to have to put up with unwanted sex with
1: it's worth it if you're with someone you love and and you're you're in a partnership that works for both of you yeah it's not worth it if you're in a relationship where he's being taught, he's the boss, mm-hmm. he gets whatever he wants, whenever he wants, and you're his sidekick. And shut up and do what God tells you. Yeah. Like, that, that's the problem.
2: And I think that when you get out of that kind of marriage, for a lot of people, like a lot of women in particular, they're kind of like, w- I mean, why would I risk that again? Like mm-hmm. you kind of get freedom for the first time. You're like, I don't have to pick up anyone else's socks. Yeah. You know, like I don't mm-hmm. have to worry. Like I don't have to take care of someone who should be taking care of themselves. I don't have to. At like least that's mm-hmm. what I. That's what we've heard a lot from yeah. women. It's just like that. It was easier parenting on their own than it was parenting with a partner who just made more mess yeah. and who didn't, mm-hmm. you know, help and with it, the kids. And it
1: doesn't have to be. Like a male female thing that way. it can be the other way. There are men who yes. get into relationships yeah. which are toxic yes. too exactly. because they're, the wife is not a mature person who's a capable partner and part of things exactly. That, that yeah. does happen. But it seems to me that what we're seeing in the church is um, women who are being to- trying to say, my husband is not being uh, an- we're not equally yoked. Mm-hmm. My husband is not sharing his side of things. they They say, you just need to respect him more. The reason yeah. he's playing video games all day long, uh, accumulating debt, not doing anything to help, is because you're not respecting him enough. And yeah. it's like, at what point do we start blaming women for the mistakes men were making? Mm-hmm. Like, And we just got to stop doing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And I think if, as a church, we seriously value marriage, which we say that we do, <laughs> then we need to start talking about this stuff and talk about how is the way that we're talking about marriage impacting couples lives.
2: Well, and I think also, uh, kind of like what I was saying earlier in the whole thing about the Emerson Akers thing is what are we portraying as the goal, right? Mm -hmm. Like if we keep portraying marriage books where the answer is to suffer or the answer is to like, just learn through patience and shut your mouth and you'll get your reward in heaven. Mm -hmm. Like, like, I'm sorry, but I didn't want that kind of marriage. You know, like, I don't want that kind of marriage. And frankly, like, I I don't have that. i have a very, like, I'm very happy.
1: And and I think, you know, when we in the church are presenting a view of marriage, which people outside the church look at, and it's basically, to them looks anemic,
2: Mm
1: -hmm. uh, terrifying in some cases, Mm -hmm. definitely unhealthy, then at that point, we need to start rethinking what we're actually saying Mm -hmm. and why we're saying it. And, and I think that the problem is that we in the church have held on to a lot of ideas about male priority and men being in charge and all those kind of things to the detriment of the things that actually really matter in the faith. Like people getting closer to God, loving our neighbor as ourself. If those things fall aside, we need to question some of the other second and third tier doctrines that we brought to the table.
2: hmm uh-huh. All right,
0: I've got to read a question because a lot of people will come to us saying, all right, but the way that you talk about marriage, Keith, sounds really great, Mm -hmm. but then when you try to put it into practice, it doesn't work because Mm -hmm. we're still two very different people. Well, and and this
1: specifically is the, but what about the tiebreaker? Right. That's always what people say. Right. Mm -hmm. And so
0: here's what what she writes, okay? So... They've been married for 20 years and while they used to be really passionate, at this point they barely even enjoy being roommates because of their very different opinions on how the household should be run and how the kids should be parented. She says, he resents me for being strong and standing up when I believe something is wrong. He says, I'm not being a supportive wife and I'm definitely not being a helpmate. I told him being a helpmate means helping. If I see you about to drive off a cliff, I am not going to compliment what a good job you are doing driving. (laughs) I'm going to scream turn now. (laughs) However, the problem that comes up is what do we do when we disagree and there really isn't a compromise. My mindset cannot get over. There has to be a final say and a final person in charge. Otherwise, nothing gets done. For example, I want to take my daughter with me when I go um, to a family funeral, but my husband says no. His reasons are valid, but so are mine, okay? Or, I want to change the formal dining room into a quiet reading room or some sort of a room rather than formal dining, but my husband says it should stay a formal dining room even though we never use it. How do we both deprogram ourselves and we need examples of how to work things out like this in a healthy relationship? Okay,
1: Mm -hmm. I got three things to say Okay, right right of the shoot. Okay. Okay, the first thing is this. The thing that I want to react to in this about is she says... He's she's not being a helpmeet, mm-hmm. which I think is amazingly telling, mm-hmm. right? Because you know a helpmeet for him, helpmeet is a terminology that comes from like the Pearls books and stuff. Well, yeah, right?
0: technically from the King James version.
1: It's from the King, yeah. yeah helpmeet, help yeah, suitable yeah. for him. But it has all kinds of connotations. Okay, so here's the deal: that a help, the word for help in the Hebrew there is the same word that is used for God when it says that he is our very present help in trouble. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is not a sidekick.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's anti-biblical to use the word help in reference to your wife as a sidekick. Mm-hmm. That is, ex- unless you think God is your sidekick.
2: Right? Yes. Which right? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I think that a lot of dudes kind of have that energy in, in, in these kinds of Christian circles. <laughs> so this, is, this
1: is floridly anti-biblical to treat it as if they're a sidekick. Mm-hmm. And like I said in my post, this concept that men are over women and women are somehow made for the to help and benefit men and not because God has something to do in their lives and God has something to accomplish in this world through them as his daughters, that is a toxic teaching which puts us on a very very dangerous path. And I talk about that in the post. Mm-hmm. But so that's the first thing is. This is it comes it's like, "Oh, we're just being biblical. She's supposed to help him." No, they're supposed to be. She's supposed to be a helper, equal to him, mm-hmm. like suitable for him. The two of them are supposed to work together to achieve God's purposes, but it's twisted, and it's unbiblical, not biblical. That's the first thing. The second thing is is that it gets touted all the time whenever I argue this this whole idea. Well, you need to have a tiebreaker. You have to have a tiebreaker. You have to have a tiebreaker. That's the case, right? It's really just that's just the way it is. So what's the answer? The answer is not. On, you know, odd days, it's her and on even days, it's him. It's not on whoever is the older and wiser. It's not Mm -hmm. on whoever has more experience in that area. It's he's the man, he makes the decision. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It is totally arbitrary and it makes no sense. Mm -hmm. And there's no reason to think it will work. And there's lots and lots of really good examples all through the world that it doesn't work. So you're taking a situation which, yeah, it's not a good situation. I mean, a tiebreaker where you're at a stalemate, not a good situation. And you're applying something to it, which is clearly a bad solution. And the problem is that there's so many other good solutions out there. Yeah. Okay. That, mm-hmm. that don't require this. Mm-hmm. Um, but to say that this is the key reason why we need to have men in charge because mm-hmm. of stalemates. We have to. It's like, I'll tell you something. In most marriages that I know that are healthy, This is something that happens so incredibly rarely Mm -hmm. that it's not even worth talking about. So you cannot make your linchpin argument about how important Mm -hmm. it is based on something which is not a big thing to happen. Because precisely the third thing I want to say here is this is a situation where this man is generating a relationship where one of two things happens. She either agrees with him and there is peace or she disagrees with him and there is discord. Yeah. Mm -hmm and this is not this is not a healthy relationship where he gets what he wants and then they're at peace mm-hmm. but he doesn't get what he wants and then it's it's upsetting if you want to make something a tiebreaker situation you make it a tiebreaker situation but just not agreeing
2: yeah. by being
1: difficult and this is the kind of mentality that this kind of teaching promotes in men who want to be selfish you know what It's not just men that can be selfish. Women can be selfish too. Mm -hmm. But there's a check in this teaching, which is that women need to submit to their husbands. So if they're being selfish, he's allowed to go, you know what? You're being selfish. Mm -hmm. If he's being selfish, eh, sorry, lady. Mm -hmm. You know, there's not really anything on the same side for her. All she can do is just kind of hope he'll stop being selfish. Yeah. And this happens a time and time and time again. And it needs to stop. It's not healthy.
2: Yeah, it's like what you were saying. is this, We're not saying that women can't be the problem in marriage No, absolutely issues. not. It's just yeah. that there is a culture that actively actually makes it less likely that women will be the problem because it tells them over and over again, you don't matter, you don't matter, you don't matter. Mm-hmm. Do everything for your husband. Well, and and also,
1: not- if women are a problem in marriage, right, we can't use the excuse that sometimes it's women, it's not always men, Mm-hmm. To not address the fact that we have set up a situation where men are primed to be allowed to be selfish.
0: Yeah, because yeah, I think like yeah, because if, if you say he gets to be the tiebreaker, then essentially
2: whenever a man wants it some way, he can just simply put his foot down and say this is what I want. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. When I when I read this story, I look at that and I'm not. That's not a convincing argument that there needs to be a a deal for when there's a tiebreaker because in marriages we're having someone in essence get a veto card mm-hmm. when that's not an option and both of you have internalized that that's not an option then you just don't run into this kind of stuff very much. like i'm sorry figuring out what to do with the dining yeah. room is not a big deal
1: yeah and that is you... such
2: an easy thing to sort out yeah. the only reason it would be a big deal is if one person makes it a big deal
1: yeah mm-hmm. and this woman says in her in her letter uh, the thing that makes me think about this is how often it comes up to be a tiebreaker situation yeah and i think that she's probably right because yeah. i think a lot of these marriages where this is the case this tiebreaker thing becomes up a lot mm-hmm. you know because there's a unilateral intransigence on the de- on the husband's side mm-hmm. to just listen to his wife i mean mm-hmm. Like it yeah. like, like we've, been married, we've been married. It doesn't 30 happen years. to us. No,
0: we've been married thirty like years, we, and we, we don't we need dis- tiebreakers.
1: We, <laughs> we disagree about something. Mm-hmm. We disagree all the time. Actually, yeah, yeah. we both mm-hmm. have very strong opinions about things, but we just kind of listen to each other, yeah. right? But if every time you had something that was different than me, I just said, "Well, no," then yeah, we we having tiebreakers all the time. Yeah. In the same way that if every time I said something, you said no. We'd be having tiebreakers all the time. The whole yeah. point is you should be working together mm-hmm. and, and listening to each other. Yeah,
2: and that's exactly what we've what we've seen in our research too, right? We know that people who live out this kind of marriage dynamic where he actually makes the decisions, even if he consults her first, which mm-hmm. sounds like this marriage is kind mm-hmm. of in that in that realm. They're like seven times more likely to get divorced, something mm-hmm. like that. Gottman's mm-hmm. found similar numbers. like yeah. that. It's
0: 81% like, chance of self-destructing is yeah, what Gottman found. Is what yes. Gottman found and, if a and, man
2: is unable to accept influence from his wife. Exactly. Okay, time out. We lost
0: power right after Rebecca said that and then the baby woke up and started to cry and so Becca left. <laughs> so here we are again yeah. and we will just continue on. Okay.
1: <laughs> what I was about to say was that all the stats about how this is bad for marriage, how this is bad for relationships. They all get thrown out the window because it doesn't matter what statistics show, God says in his word, X, Y, Z. Mm -hmm. Right? And so they just discount all that. The problem is we've already say, as we've already shown, you know, the Bible doesn't say that she's supposed to be a helper, like a, like a sidekick. Yeah. Like, so, so it's like, you can't say, ignore society because the bible says xy and then when you say well the bible can't really mean that because of this then you then you say well no it doesn't matter that's what it means mm-hmm. like like at some point you have to go maybe the fact that things aren't working out right means we need to take a different look at this and maybe we need to have different eyes on this and maybe we are misinterpreting some of these scripture passages okay. because we're seeing yeah bad things happening in real relationships. And
0: bad fruit. Jesus said that you will know them by the fruit. Yeah, You can judge them by the fruit. A bad tree cannot bear good fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit. And so when you see the bad fruit from the tiebreaker, the husband makes the decisions, then you know that's likely not the right interpretation Mm -hmm. of what it means for the man to be the head. We do have another podcast where I go a little bit deeper into that. Actually, we have two other podcasts now, so I will link to both of them. Um, in the podcast notes, as well as one of my favorite blogs, um, Marg Mousko, who we met from Australia. We met her in real life once and she does a great job of looking at the actual Greek, which can help people. And I'm not a Greek expert, so I will point you to those who are, um, but there are other people who have just shown that the traditional way that sometimes we look at these verses, isn't the only way of interpreting it, nor is it even the best way of interpreting it. Mm -hmm. And what we know is it doesn't even work. So this woman's question, know what happens when we need this tiebreaker, what we would just say is when you approach marriage with the assumption that there isn't a tiebreaker that you can work these things out, you tend to work these things out. yeah,
1: and if you <sighs> if they don't work out, you get help.
0: Mm-hmm. You
1: seek wise counsel. Yeah, you go to counseling. yeah, you if if you need to get a mediator, get a mediator. Yeah. You do what you need to do to get to a solution that's true and fair and works for both
0: people. yeah. and so and so that's just what I would say. the reason that, some couples don't need a tiebreaker is because they don't need a tiebreaker. <laughs> like, like the fact that you set up a relationship where we don't have a tiebreaker means that we actually approach things differently, mm-hmm. which means we don't get into these issues in the first place. Yeah. Whereas as soon as you say you have a tiebreaker, you tend to create more problems. And that is, I think, what's going on here.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: All right. So that's been a lot. Yep. Um, instead of... Ending with a new review of The Great Sex Rescue, which I usually do, I want to make an announcement, which is that next week, so on the next podcast, we will be launching the launch team for Mm -hmm. The Good Guy's Guide to Great Sex and The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. And what that means is that if you pre-order either book, You can get on a launch team, which means you get access to an ebook copy right away um, in exchange for an honest, thorough review on Amazon, Goodreads, Christianbook.com, wherever. And you'll also get special Facebook groups with us, an exclusive Facebook group. We're going to do a lot of fun things over the next um, month. There's going to be pre-order bonuses, all kinds of fun things. So keep your eye open for that. There will be a link on how you can join the launch team next next thursday on the podcast Mm -hmm. and we would love to see you there those books are launching in march march 15th the good guys guide to great sex and the totally revamped good girls guide to great sex and rather than showing how everything we've been taught is wrong (laughs) and how we can build it back (laughs) up again the way great sex rescue did what we do instead in these books is say hey if you were gonna do it from scratch (laughs) yeah how would you do it in a healthy way and that's what we do is we just do it from scratch so these books are not so much taking down unhealthy teachings as they're just building up healthy teachings. Mm -hmm. And we hope they're going to impact the church for the better. Because church, we really can do better. We need to do better. And we hope these help you get there. So thanks for joining us for another edition of the Bare Marriage Podcast.
2: See you next time. (laughs) Bye-bye.